year I turned 12. The age where you transfer from boy to man. It's the little things that you remember all your life. First hit, your first kiss, the first time your dad lets you know that he sees you. Well, I still hadn't had the other two, but boy, did that third one feel good. Would you stand up and walk out on Happy Wonder Wednesday, everyone. How's your week been? Mine's been good. I, I'm ready for Thursday. I'm ready for Thanksgiving. I'm so happy and excited. So, today, now I did say I would do episodes four and five together. I'm actually not going to do that. I'm going to split them up. So, season one, episode four, entitled The Workplace, aired on October 13th, 2021. In this episode... Dean heads to band practice with Bill, but the grown folks' business at the music studio prompts Lillian to pick Dean up. Dean learns what his mom does while he's at school all day. This episode's got a 7.6 out of 10 based on 104 ratings. I do apologize if there's any noise like a leaf blower in the background. I have the window open because my cat Quinn asked me to open the window for her so she could lay in the windowsill. Because it's a nice day. It's like almost 70 degrees outside. Alright, crisis averted. The window has now been shut. <laughs> Apparently the noise was too much for Quinn. Still, if you can hear it through a closed window, I don't know what to tell you. Alright, as I said, this got a 7.6 out of 10 based on 104 ratings. Directed by Sherry Appleby. Didn't she play in the movie Swim Fan? I swear that name is familiar. I bet she did. She was Jesse Bradford's girlfriend and swim fan. She was also, yes, she was. She played Amy. She was also in the show Roswell from 1999 to 2002. I didn't know she was a director. Interesting. She directed like 12th. Ah, two episodes of New Amsterdam, a show called Queens, an episode of Grownish, episode two episodes of Mixedish. Two episodes of Roswell in New Mexico. And just... Oh, Alright. Interesting. Interesting. Good. Yeah, she's getting her acting credits. Her, her directing credits in. That's awesome. Alright, let's take a look at the cast list. See if we got any guest stars that were not in the last episodes that I've covered. We have Mr. Davidson, played by Rick Reitz. We have Washboard. Played by Boone McKenzie. I'm not sure who that, that Maybe that is one of Bill's bandmates. We have Alex Patterson as Bum Lee. We have Neil G-H-A-N-T as Julian. Alex Parkinson as Max. Dustin Lewis as James. Carly McKenzie. Is Jennifer, we got Cheryl, we got a referee, and Scott Deal playing a referee, we got Mrs. Anderson, I guess she's playing a teacher, White Lunch Lady, Susan, oh, there are a lot. There is Kim Winter Mako as White Mother, we have Philip Dido as someone named George, we have Milan Marsh. Playing Charlene, so I think one of uh, Keith's friends. All right. So, who wrote on this episode? 
Saladin K. Patterson, who the, he's the creator. We got Neil Marlins, who also wrote, created the original Wonder Years, OG Wonder Years. We got Carol Black, also OG creator of the Wonder Years as well. Meredith Dawson, Meredith Dawson, Kendra Cole. Kendra Cole also wrote this episode alongside Meredith Dawson and Carol and Neil and Saladin. And Kendra Cole is also a staff writer. All right. Props to the writers. We got some trivia. I actually like to hold off on the trivia and any user reviews to the end. So... All right, I am going to be covering what I'm basically doing right now is covering the episodes all the way up to the eighth episode, which is actually going to be on the week of Christmas. It's a Christmas episode. As far as the other episodes, because they did actually order a full 22 episodes, we got Home for Christmas which is going to air on December 1st, but I won't get to it till the, you know, week of Christmas, so. Yeah, and then it looks like they're taking a smidge of the break while they are most likely filming the other episodes. I'm I'm guessing that's the case, or maybe it's just they're holding off on airing the rest, because I thought they just got ordered for, maybe they've only filmed the eight episodes, and then they just found out they got a full series, you know, of full season of 22 episodes and so now they're gonna go and you know film the rest of the season so all right if you are looking where to follow the podcast so you can follow and see what episodes i'm doing because i am doing them in chronological order of course you can go to the wonder years podcast you will see the looking back on my wonder years of wonder years podcast on there you can click like you can click follow that way you will always get you always be in the know as far as what episodes i'm doing same thing with the wonder years boy meets world podcast on instagram as well all right without further ado let's jump into this episode i am excited to see where the show goes as a you know i watch the episodes I mean, I'm three episodes deep, and I'm just, I'm loving them. I'm loving the characters. I'm loving the storylines. Also, I don't watch the episodes ahead of time, so you're pretty much getting my real reactions. You're just basically listening as I go along and watch the episode. I, just, I think it's so much fun that way. All right, so for the cold open, we are in Dean's room. Of course, adult Dean comes on and says, before text and emails... We had to write letters if we wanted to talk to someone other than talking to him on the phone. And he's sitting at his desk. He's got a microscope. I don't know. Just seeing the scene, honestly, reminds me of uh, the very beginning of the Outsiders movie where Ponyboy is sitting at his desk and he starts writing. Right, Quinny? Yeah. Yeah, he says writing letters was the only way to stay in contact with a person. Other than a rotary phone with a cord. So they're reminding us again that Dean's older brother Bruce is off in Vietnam. And this is how they are communicating. They're writing letters back and forth. 
And Bruce is telling Dean about all the, you know, the people he's meeting, the new foods that he's trying. And Dean is telling Bruce all about the exciting things in his life. And apparently, like, he and Corey had a spit contest and Dean won because his spit went farther than Corey's. (laughs) Yeah, Dean goes on to say how Bruce's life is more exciting because he was great. He had everything. School, sports, spitting, everything. So... Lillian calls Dean downstairs, so Dean finishes up his letter and zips downstairs. We see that Lillian, we see the Holy Bible sitting on, like, the kitchen counter along with, I didn't know what, I thought they were, like, buttons at first, but then she says, Lord, I'm not ready to be a grandmother. And then she puts the Bible in these three what look like buttons. I had to rewind it. They're condoms, or what do they call them, rubbers back in the 60s? Oh! Oh! I get, okay, okay, I get it now. <laughs> because Dean brings the letter, and he brings something else. And Lillian says, Dean, that's not going to fit. And Dean says, but I want him to have something to play catch with. And Lillian tells him... Dean, your brother is at war. He's not at summer camp. And Dean asks, well, then why do you get him all those balloons? And I'm thinking, balloons? I didn't see them. And then it dawned on me, oh, yeah. Dean doesn't know what a condom is. He just thinks it's a balloon. <laughs> well, what Just as well. So that's why she's packing the Bible for him and... Some condoms, just in case. You never know when he's over there. If he meets a girl, he wants to be with her. He's going to have protection so he doesn't become a young father. So, yeah, Lillian has a, a cardboard box care package for Bruce, along with some cookies, which Kim comes in. And asks, like, oh, did you hem my plaid skirt? And Lillian says, no, you want to know why I didn't do that? Because you were supposed to bake those cookies for Bruce. And, of course, Kim's like, well, I'm still going to do that. And Lillian says, I told you to do that two days ago. It's already done. They're done. The care package is being taken out. So, yeah. So Kim complains about, you know, Bruce getting everything, the perfect, the, you know, the perfect kid in the family. He gets everything. I get nothing. And so, you know, yeah, maybe if I joined the Imperial, you know, war or whatever, I'd get, a, you know, my skirt hemmed. And, of course, Lillian tells Kim, you know where the sewing kit is. And Kim says, but my <laughs> stitches, you know, that... The hems are always crooked, and Lillian tells her, it was like, well, then that's good practice, then so you'll learn. And, of course, apparently somebody ate all the pork rinds. That family loves pork rinds, which is awesome. I like pork rinds, too. I don't have them that often, but there was, they had them at the racetrack gas station, but they must have been, like, a special edition type or whatever, because... They were, like, the maple bacon flavor. I think it was by the brand called Epic. 
and I really liked them. They had a sm- it was a small package. It cost like four or five dollars, but they were good. No, I think they were being clearanced out when I got them. They're like under three or something, but still, it's like I like pork rinds. I like the hot and spicy ones are good too. But I really love the pork cracklins with the fat on there. Oh, so good. But of course, I don't eat them very often, which is just as well. Lillian's holding up an empty bag. <laughs> says, who ate all the pork rinds? And Dean points at his dad because Bill's just come down. And Bill looks at Dean and just says, not cool, man. Not cool. And Lillian says, those were for Bruce. So, of course, Bill tells her, you know, when I was in Korea, no one sent me, sent me a care package. And I'm just thinking this is interesting. Both Jack and Bill were were in Korea. They fought in the Korean War. And I'm just thinking, did their paths ever, ever cross? That would be really interesting if we had that connection between the Arnold family and the Williams family. Lillian explains, well, you were in, he's an infantry. You were a cook. And apparently he's, says, unfortunately, Daddy had more kills. I take it then he's not a great cook and his cooking kind of like. <laughs> yeah, Lillian is complaining about the fact, because on the refrigerator, there's a chore chart. And she's like, the chore chart is empty. Why did I even go through the trouble of making this if I'm just going to end up doing these chores myself? So you can see that already her day is filled, you know, going to the post office, dropping off Bruce's care package. She also had to bake the cookies that Kim was supposed to bake. And, of course, do these chores that no one else in the family wants to do. You know, the chore chart made me think of... Danny Tanner from Full House. I think it was like season, yeah, it was season eight. The first episode comments, Excellent Adventure, where Danny has this color-coded wheel with everyone's name, and then it's like, okay, you just turn to, you know, on this column here with the date, and then you look at your name, and then line it up with the date and all that, and then you... See the number, and then you go to the chore chart on the side. It's going to tell you what your chore is for the day. <laughs> oh, this is just a chore chart for Dean and Kim, because Bill goes over like, oh, good thing my name's not on this. And then he says, hey, Dean, hurry up and get out to the bus so you don't miss it. And then Dean tells Bill, I'm not going to school today, Dad. It's take your son to work day. <laughs> uh, apparently that slipped Bill's mind. I'm, I'm interested, though, because I want to see what, you know, his workplace, because he's a music professor at the college. I want to, I want to see about that. I'm really curious. Okay, so he's not teaching at the university right now so he has to take dean with him to his recording session oh yeah and lillian says you know if dean wanted to he could come to work with me we got a lot of fun stuff planned and you know adult dean kind of narrates how like i didn't know what mama did for a living what her job was but telling by her outfit her sweater i'd say her job was probably pretty boring 
I think Dean's gonna get his world rocked as far as, like, what, when he finds out what Lillian does all day. I'm interested to know, because I know she's more than a housewife. Even Norma Arnold was, you know, running errands and all that stuff, you know, getting groceries and going here, going there, dry cleaners, whatnot. So Dean asks Lillian, Mom, can I please go with Dad? And she's like, oh, okay. And Dean is just, yes! <laughs> and then Lillian <laughs> leaves. And then Dean asks his dad, did I act too happy? And Bill looked at him over his coffee and says, you'll learn. <laughs> and that is the cold open there. Dean into his recording session studio 
And right away, the other bandmates are like, Bill, you're late. Is that because you and your wife were... And Bill cuts him off like, hey, this is my son, my 12-year-old son, Dean, who is here on a class assignment. As in, basically, any any talk that they normally... However they normally talk with him, how fresh they are, it's like, no, my 12-year-old's here. You need to clean this up. You can't be doing this. Alright, so the bandmates, we got Washboard, we got Bum, or Brian Lee, and then we also have Clarence. So, Bill puts a hand on Dean's shoulder and says, Alright, see Dean, this is where all the magic happens. Now let's go over the rules. Rule number one is you stay out of the way. Rule number two, you do not touch anything unless I say... So we got one guy coming out of the bathroom coughing up a storm like I thought he had emphysema or something. I don't know. I don't know. I thought he, he was just, like, sick or something. No, there's another reason he's coughing. He's like, hey, anyone else see a 12-year-old boy here? And Bill goes over to him. Like, hey, 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 just, yeah. So the guy's like, hey, it's bad enough you got us here at 9 a.m. What's the rush? And... Bill says our last album sold 70 copies, so we don't have a lot of studio time. So, basically, they take whatever studio time they can get and use it to max capacity. So, Dean, of course, asks, can I join in? And Bill looks up at him and he says, you know, I got just the thing. Here we got a cover of with a little help from my friends. <laughs> You gotta throw that in there. Yeah. Now, personally, I don't recall any take your child to work day things that I ever did. Like, my dad worked in a factory. You know, before I was born, he was actually working on the farm milking cows. After I was born, he kind of stopped and he started working at a factory. Um, I believe one of the factories that he worked at, I guess whether it was a new facility, they had had a family day. I think when I was like, I think it was nine or ten, and they had a luncheon. You got to tour the facility and everything, because I remember getting a balloon and sitting out on the patio with these metal tables and then tying my balloon string to the back of my chair and everything, and they had like this, like, I don't know if die cast is the right word, type of metal, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle thing that someone had done that I brought home. I, I It's just, I guess, showing kind of what their machines could do and stuff. So, it's kind of cool. I mean, that's about all I remember of it. I mean, maybe if I was, you know, a smidge older, maybe, maybe now as an adult, if I, you know, went on a tour, I probably would have shown a little more interest. You know, being I also worked in a, a factory for a bit, so... So Dean says that he finally understands why they called it funk music because when you play in a band as good as my dad's, they get this look on their face like they smelled something that smelled really bad. And we see Dean up there jamming and he's, I think he's holding a saxophone. So Dean blows into the saxophone, a bad idea because Bill comes with, stop, 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 everyone stop. I... So, I'm kind of wondering, like, where is this going to go? Is he going to yell at Dean? Like, 
put the instrument down, go sit down on the couch. Just again, don't touch anything unless I say it's all right. Or he's gonna, or is he gonna coach Dean and just say, okay? But has Dean ever done any type of, you know, instruments? Has he ever played an instrument before? I hear saxophone is really, really difficult. Like this. You know, you have to have the technique and all that good stuff. And um, my youngest niece, actually, in high school, was in band as a saxophone player. So, yeah. I want I wanted to be in band in junior high. And I remember going, you know, in fifth grade. It's like they had tryouts. Like I got, Whether this guy was a music teacher or what. He brought like some instruments and like the part, the piece that you would like blow into, whether I did it really hard or something and just, I don't know whether that guy didn't think I had the right stuff or whatever because I was never in band. I, part of me kind of wanted to be, but looking back on it now, it's just as well that I wasn't because I don't think I would have been able to, you know, read music and all that. I mean, I'm sure, you know, they teach you how to do that, but even still, no, no, no. I took music class in elementary school, and I, you know, they're showing you all these, you know, notes and all that, musical notes and what they mean. It's like, that's all gibberish to me. I don't, I don't know that stuff, so. So Bill says, Dean, you're supposed to wait till everyone stops playing, and then you count to, what, five or six, and then you, you blow into the thing. So basically, it's like, sure, you can jam with us, but once the music stops, that's when you start, so that way we don't get that on a recording, because they're recording this. That tape, I'm sure, is very expensive that they're recording on. They can't afford any, like, mistakes or anything, because look at all that wasted tape. Then you gotta, you know, go in and what? Edit it, and I don't even know how you would do that in 68. Edit all that, you know, cut and splice and whatever. I mean, apparently this is take nine. Oh, good golly. So is he screwed up? This Is this because of him? Like, he keeps coming in later and later? I'm sure eventually Bill's just, can you just sit over there on the couch and just watch us play? So, yeah, they actually are singing with a little help from my friends with lyrics. And then Dean goes into Fantasyland where he's on the sax, he's got a band, he's got Brad on the theremin, Corey's on the drums, Keese's on the guitar, and he says the name of the band is the Deans. And you could come up with something better than that. Yeah, Dean was fantasizing and then also blowing into the saxophone as his dad is like, Dane, Dane, finally. It's like, all right, everyone take five. Dean, go sit on the couch over there and I'll come talk to you in a minute. Like, my goodness, this kid, he should have just, I'm surprised that Bill doesn't just call Lillian up and just like, can you come and get him? He's a distraction. And we're trying to work and we're not getting any, basically they're wasting time is what they're doing now because this kid is not cooperating. I get that he's 12, but he's kind of acting like he's eight. So Dean's looking at some sheet music and he asks his dad, dad, is Papa and Sherry another way to eat it? And one of the guys, I think, <laughs> I'm not sure which one, says, 
if you do it right. I'm like, oh my god! Is that an oral sex joke? <laughs> oh god! Oh my god! Because all the guys burst out laughing like it's the funniest thing ever. Bill just puts his thumb and index finger between his eye uh, and just uh, the bridge of his nose. He's just like, ugh. All right, so yeah, it looks like he passed Dean off to Lily and just, like, go with your mom, okay? Because, and Lily, and it's just like, oh, Dean, we're going to have so much fun today. <laughs> but yeah, let's play that clip real quick of Dean with his dad at uh, the studio. They're gonna go to the cafeteria, and then she starts before the uh, scene goes to commercial. Before the show goes to commercial, she mentions mentions something about letters. Oh my gosh, is he gonna have to lick a bunch of envelopes? <laughs> and then, oh man. And Dean is just like kind of like leaning against the door, arms crossed, like irritated. <sighs> Rather be in school. So she has some big binders. One is accounts receivable and the other binder is accounts payable. And Dean is sitting in the chair just like, oh, this is definitely a downgrade. Like, in his mind, adult Dean is like, uh, narrating, narrating, like, ugh, this is definitely a downgrade. So here comes Coach Long, whose first name is Cliff, and he sees... Dean there and says, hey, Lillian, don't work him too hard. You know, I need him out there at practice catching those fly, ball, fly balls and whatnot. Oh, as he's pointing at Dean and he says, and those fly balls are not going to catch themselves. <laughs> so 
Dean asked, oh, is Corey with you today? And Corey's actually spending time with his uncle, who's a Tus Tuskegee Airman. So does he get to go up and, like, uh, planes and stuff like that? That sounds pretty cool. I bet Corey's going to have a lot of fun t stories to tell. And even Coach Wong is kind of envy and saying he's probably looking at a P-51, what's he called, a red tail Mustang fighter plane. I'm like, ooh, I wish I was there. So, Coach, I'm just going to keep calling him Coach Wong. He goes over to Lillian and kind of says, hey, I hope you brought this wine extra jacket because you know they keep it extra cold in there, right? And then Lillian laughs at that. <laughs> And adult Dean comes on and says, I wouldn't understand that joke until my freshman year in college when I had a white roommate. And Coach Long tells Lillian, because he's asking for a cocoa butter and saying, I don't want to be all ashy because, you know, I got my, I landed my first account. And Lillian says, you know, it's about time they let one of us shine around here. I was like, yeah, definitely cool. Great. So I guess, yeah, she's an accountant then for the, the school because she's going through the book and she notices that an account is way over budget. So she's like, all right, Dean, come with me. We're going to go for a little walk and find out. It's like a discrepancy in the books and stuff. She just wants to clear up some confusion. The smile on Dean's face was like, ah, oh, finally I can get out of this chair. I've been sitting in for five minutes. <laughs> like, all right, sweet. We're going somewhere that isn't here. Anything. <laughs> so, yeah, we see Max, who's a white guy, and Lillian brings the accounts payable binder just saying, hey, there's something up. Like, and the guy's, like, kind of calling her out on it, like, no, no, me and so-and-so went over this. It should be 100% fine. It's like, yeah, this part is fine, but the petty cash. And he's like, no, this is, it's, it's, and then he actually really does look at it. Like, Ooh, oopsie. She's like, uh-huh, yeah. So, why do I, I, I'm nervous. I'm thinking that Lillian's going to get kind of thrown under the bus here with, because she's saying Mr. Jameson is going to be ticked about this. So she brings in another guy who's also white. His name is James to kind of see what they can do. I am nervous. I am really nervous. Like, they're like, oh, it's her fault. You know, she did it. She should be held accountable for blah, blah, blah. And they're going to just, I just, I get that feeling like that's going to happen. I hope it doesn't. But, ugh. Lillian is bringing on other guys. Like, hey. Look, here's what we're going to do. She calls him, like, another guy. So there's three guys, like, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to do that. You know, just giving everyone these duties. We're going to fix this problem because we're over budget again. And we cannot have that. So we're just going to, like, fix everything to make it look, you know, basically even things out. So, and Dean is looking at his, mo at his mom and just kind of comparing her to, like, a quarterback for like Crimson Tide or I'm guessing that's a football team something and then we go into Dean's fantasy head where his mom is playing a quarterback and then giving this play breaking it down for these other guys and stuff and it's kind of creative I like that they're they're doing that and everything so as they're walking back down the hallway to her office Dean asks Mama, do they all work for you? And she says, no, we're all account exec, yet I've been here the longest. So she kind of is kind of running stuff, just correcting people's actions if something's not right. Just making sure everything flows correctly, which is good. 
You want to make sure everything flows. You don't want to get in trouble with the boss. You know, you want to make sure it looks like you got a handle on everything. So, yeah, Dean kind of tells us he really, originally, he had no idea what his mom did for a living. He just thought she ran errands and whatnot and went grocery shopping. It's like, no, nah, he is seeing his mom is just, you know, running the show here. She's making sure shit's getting done. You know, that way it doesn't fall back onto her shoulders. Everyone there has got a responsibility and everyone's got to be pulling 100%. And if they don't, then she's got to go say, all right, we need to take care of this. We don't want the boss coming in here and jumping down our throats. Let's fix it. Listen to her. 
listen to her. Her job was just as cool as Dad's. Maybe cooler. And I don't even think you had to be a woman to do it. This is Lillian Williams from the State <laughs> Treasury Department. Yes, I need to... Before now, I'd only heard Mama use her white voice on the phone with the bank. Now I knew where she'd honed it. Racist. You guys heard that too, right? Yeah. There were cupcakes. Oh. So they asked you to make birthday cupcakes because <laughs> yours taste the best? Uh, among other things. Do you guys all take turns? No. no. Just, it's always been this way, honey. It's complicated. Those cupcakes are for everybody? Including me? Yeah, and you can have one if you just take them into the break room. Carefully. While I finish up in here. So, yeah, another thing you heard in the clip after she's gotten everything settled by you do this, you do that, we're going to take care of the situation. So, uh, the boss doesn't get on us. And then, I think this is Max, who comes in and asks Lillian if she made the cupcakes for Ted's birthday. And... I kind of, Dean's watching this exchange, and the way that Max is saying, none of the other secretaries know how to make any, you know, down home, you know, you know, like you do, cooking like that. And it just seems, and even Dean's like, did you all catch that? I'm like, I know I did. That, that sounds racist. It seems like. And even though Lillian is, I, I don't know whether it's, whether to say that she is respected in the office, but here it looks like she's in, because Dean even asked, like, do any of the other, you know, ladies here have to make cupcakes for people? And Lillian's like, no. So, yeah, no, and, and even Dean is thinking, oh, she had to make cupcakes for this guy's birthday? Did she get paid extra for that? He even says, you know, my dad had two jobs, but my mom had, like, 30. And I'm just thinking, even though, in a way, she may be respected, or maybe that's expected of her just to take care of everyone's best, but now she's also being asked to make cupcakes when none of the other ladies working there are being asked, and then the whole no one knows how to make down-home cooking, you know, the ladies don't know how to make down-home tasting cupcakes like you do, and it just it seems like they are just kind of using her and taking advantage. Oh, he says none of the other ladies know how to make food taste down-home like you do. Ugh, this guy. So... Dean is kind of just seeing like, oh, yeah, there's cupcakes. And then he says, oh, so they asked you to make cupcakes because yours taste the best? And Lillian says, well, among other things. So, yeah, 
They're basically having her do all the shit work that they don't want to do. And if she were to speak up and say something about it, she'd probably lose her job. This is bullshit. I'm going to go out on the limb here and say that these white people do not respect her. They don't respect how hard she works. They're just coming here like, oh, you made those cupcakes right, since they don't ask anyone else. They just expect her to do it. And apparently, like, some other dude, she says, you know, among other things that I have to do. <sighs> Fucking bullshit. I don't care if it's 1968. It's like you treat everyone as equals and you treat them with respect. No matter what position they hold in a job. But they're just, they're asking too much of her and I just feel bad. Because she actually, well Dean's like, oh can I have one? He's like, is that okay? And she says, sure, just take these cupcakes. It's like, she can't get far enough from these cupcakes. Like, Take them to the rape room. Be careful. Pass them out. Yes, you can have one. Because she has to take a minute. And it, I thought she was going to start to tear up. Because she kind of has to take a deep breath. Like, Because this guy is pretty much just... I think that guy's being racist. I really do. And the fact that they were kind of like talking over her, like, oh, we shouldn't do that, or I know that I check, like, you could be, you're most likely wrong, like, no, they don't respect her, they just expect her to do that, and uh, they're constantly undermining her and shit like that, so Coach Long also works as an accountant alongside also doing the coaching for the baseball, okay, for Dean's team and Corey's team. Oh yeah, Dean also asks, like, oh, do you guys, do you take turns? And Lillian says, no, it's, it's always been this way. Like, oh, God. And, yeah, Lillian says, it's complicated. It's like, no, it's like, they're just trying to put you down and make you do all this shit work. So, we got these three white ladies that are talking about, you know, Canassa's one lady's like, Canassa's gonna be at my house. You know, the winner gets to host, so it'll be at my house again. <laughs> uh. And Dean comes in with the cupcakes. And this lady's like, oh, who might you be? What are you doing here? Oh, yeah, the, these, this lady's like, oh, what do you got there? What, who are, what's your name? And he's like, Dean Williams. And she's like, oh, Mrs. Williams' son. Okay. She's like, oh, we'll go put them over there on that table. And he's like, oh, excuse me. And the lady says, oh, he's got such nice manners. What the fuck? Do you expect because he's black that he wouldn't have good manners? What in the hell? Dean, you're hearing this shit, right? You know he fucking is. Oh, so Dean says, not to brag, but, uh, White women love me. And then we see this one lady in Dean's fantasy. Like, oh, you speak so well. And the lunch lady. Oh, that's why there's all those guest spots in this episode. Like, who are all these people? And this lady says, oh, you're so polite. You know, this lunch lady. Like, oh, you're so polite. This next one is like, holy fuck. Why did they put that in this episode? 
this lady, this white lady in her home says, oh, you're so not going to rape my daughter. What the hell? That did not need to be in there. I mean, if this is supposed to be aimed at, you know, parents to watch with their kids and shit, why are they putting that in there? Oh, my gosh. So here comes Lillian, and the two ladies are like, oh, Mrs. Williams, hi. And Lillian says, oh, I told you to drop the Mrs. Williams when it's just us. And, of course, the lady's like, oh, right, Lil, of forced laughter. Oh, my God, I can't get over that. Why the hell did they put that in there? The, oh, you're so not going to read my daughter. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. So, of course, Lillian says, Lillian. And then the two ladies kind of like, like they're nervous around her. And Lillian just starts laughing, like, I'm just messing with you. It's like she's, she's trying to, you know, like, why is this weird? It shouldn't be. You know, we all work together and everything. Why can't we? Why does it got to be so tense, you know? The ladies clearly look uncomfortable, but I'm just like, this is, ugh. I, I don't care if it's 1968. Come the fuck on. So Lillian's looking out for the ladies, like, Mr. Johnson, train you all right? Do I need to get on him? And um, the red-haired lady's kind of like, the one who's like, oh, Canasta will be at my house, just like it was last week. <laughs> she says, oh, he's about the same. So is the guy sexually harassing them? That's another thing that went out back then, too. Men that thought they could just, like, speak to women inappropriately and touch them inappropriately. So the red-haired lady's like, yeah, this morning it was, when are you going to, Mr. Johnson said, when are you going to wear that red skirt again, the one that made your legs look so shapely? So, yeah, it's the fucking sexual harassment in the workplace. Fuck this. So Lillian's like, oh, you should do what I do, and just say, oh, I'll pick one up for your wife. I hear they come in the uh, color of alimony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Lily's all like, hey, you don't want to be afraid of that guy? I'll kick his ass for you. So apparently Mr. Davison yelled at this one lady. I'm guessing she's a secretary. Like, she, he yelled at me yesterday because his lunch, I was late with his lunch. And Lily's like, who, Ted? I tell you what. I was like, as soon as, like, Mr. Davidson comes in and starts uh, yelling at Ted, like, he makes this dying duck noise. <laughs> so yeah it's like Lillian also has got the goss on everyone in the workplace and she's like you don't it's almost like she's saying like you don't have to be afraid of these guys just stand up for yourself and it's just like she's like women could do that back then I don't see why they couldn't but I think it's a fear of we would love to say something but also you know our jobs and stuff and not to mention, I mean, this is the time when, when women were starting to also, I mean, yes, we had women working in the 80s and stuff, working mothers and working ladies in the workforce and stuff, even though it being a quote-unquote man's world, this in 60 is very much a man's world. So look how hard they probably had to work to be able to even get these jobs. It's another thing to be taken seriously and treated with respect at these jobs, too. I just feel bad. She is trying so hard to mingle with these ladies, and these ladies are just really 
they just show how uncomfortable they are around. It's like forced laughter and just like, oh, I really have to get back. Like, they wouldn't give a shit regardless if Lillian hadn't walked in there. They would have kept on talking. But because Lillian's there, it's like, oh, well, we did this. Ugh. Ugh. I just, I feel bad that Lillian even has to go through this shit. So, yeah, she's going to eat in the break room with Dean. And Dean's like, what, she she made us lunch? I'm starting to think my mom gets up before 8 a.m. I'm sure she does get up at eight, before 8 a.m. And Dean's like, what, you're not going to eat in the cafeteria with the other, you know, executives? Account, you know, accountant executives. And she says, they don't want to eat lunch with me. They don't. She just feels not welcome. I mean, Dean, you saw how it went down with those ladies there. Hell, your break time is your time. Do you really want to spend it being uncomfortable? I'm talking about Lillian here. I don't give a fuck about the other people. Let those fuckers be uncomfortable. So Dean says how lunchtime with his friends meant, you know, they all got to catch up on their days, especially if they're not all in class together. And lunchtime for his mom meant spending time by herself. Now, mind you, I'm fine spending lunch by myself. I, in fact, enjoy it. I prefer it, in fact. Because it's time, you know, I'm eating my lunch. This is my time to myself. I don't want to engage in conversation. I mean a politely engaging conversation, but my time is my time, and I want to sit there and just chill and veg for a bit before I have to go back and mingle with the masses. So, okay, Corey calls over, well, yeah, he's like, why don't the secretaries want to have lunch with you? And Lillian says, the secretary's got their own shit going on, basically. And then... Dean sees Coach Long passing with some other execs and says, hey, Coach Long, come have lunch with us. And Coach Long, now I don't understand. I'm getting the feeling it's like he just got a new account. He's trying to, you know, mingle with the others and stuff. And the idea of, you know, sitting alone you know, with Lillian and stuff like that. It's like, I think it's just like, they invited me to eat with them. I want to accept their offer and everything. I, I don't think he's personally trying to snub Lillian for any reason. I just think like, I you know, I need to make good on this and whatnot. So Dean says, well, I think I'll just, you know, me and my mom, we're going to have lunch together. So, yeah. So Lillian says, all right, Dean, just for that, I'm going to give you that cupcake that I was saving for Cliff. So Dean says, you know, Coach Long leaving my mom hanging. And then he brings up how working women, you know, mothers in the 60s and stuff, and the position that his mom was in meant that she didn't have a place at anybody's lunch table. That is fucking cruel. And Dean says that didn't slow her down, and that made her even more of a hero to me. Aww. So Dean asked, what makes cupcakes taste so down home? And Lillian, taking a bite of her food, says, slavery. And some bacon grease. Bacon grease in the pan. 
And Lillian takes another bite of food and says, but mainly slavery. Probably does. Instead of being bored enough to throw myself out a window, I actually was, you know, I wanted to learn more about Mama's job. Like, that's awesome. Because she's got a lot of responsibilities. A lot of things that she does. So I am kind of getting um, my father's office vibes. You know, season one, episode three. 
This is on episode three of the original Wonder Years. Let me let me double check real quick. I want to make sure I'm getting this right. I think it is. I think so. Let's see here. Years. Here we go. So, yeah, my father's office, which aired March twenty ninth, nineteen eighty eight. So, as far as the the vibes I'm getting is like when Kevin and his dad were sitting, you know, while he was taking a break and everything like that. I was getting that, but now I'm getting that vibe when they go into Lillian's office and Dean shuts the door and he asks, "Did you always want to work here?" Kind of like. When Kevin asks Jack, did you always want to, you know, work at a place like Norcom? And Jack actually brings up what he, he, he wanted to do was be like the captain of a ship or something like that. And or I thought he also said something about a baseball player. So definitely I will play some of those clips. At when I'm done covering this episode, just for funsies, comparisons, you know, that kind of thing. And I like how Lillian sits down and really thinks about it. Like, you know, I really, I didn't know what I really wanted to do. You know, none of the women in my family had careers. So Lillian says that she wanted more than what Wa Alabama could give her. So she went to college and she got her master's. Cut on her. Definitely. And I will go on record as saying, you know, College is not for everybody. It really, really isn't. And should we really fault people if they decide that maybe going into college, maybe, and trying, it's just like, this just isn't for me. And, you know, maybe they look and go down a different path and everything. So, yeah. So she even said months and months of looking for work without even so much as an interview. She found a posting, I think it's in a newspaper for Department Department of Treasury. And she says, I never thought I would have gotten this job. But like I tell you and your brother and your sister and Dean says, give out before you give up. That is great, great advice. Really, really, really is. And if you don't get it, if you go for an interview, you don't get the job, don't think of it as, oh, I'm not good enough. Just think of it as, as this is my shot. Something better is coming for me. As in, they lost. They lost on getting a great employee. That was their choice. But more then likely something better is just around the corner. Like, it's gonna happen. Like, when I was 18, as soon as I was 18, I was applying to movie theaters, I was applying to video stores, and I wasn't getting the jobs. And I just, like, what is wrong with me? I mean, why don't they? And then one day, I just, I call and check up on a position at a video store, and I get an interview, and I get the job. And that job is what led me to the rest of my life where I met the man who is now my husband, has been my husband for over 14 years. It's like sometimes something doesn't happen right when you want it to happen. That's because, you know, I believe in God and he intervenes when it's time for it to be, your life to be intervened. 
I mean, we're always in a rush. When is this going to happen? I need it to happen now. But sometimes, like, then you look back later on when it does finally happen, and you're like, this is why. This is why I had to wait. Because this is thing that happened is what eventually leads to this amazing, great thing happening. So, yeah. And Lillian says, you know, and I tried, and I got the job. And Adult Dean says, sometimes you don't appreciate the rare beauty of a unicorn until you see it in the wild. I think in a way, Dean, by saying this, Dean is saying he doesn't really, he didn't really know what his mom did, so he didn't appreciate, like, everything she brings to the table, not just as a working mother, but also as a woman working outside of the home and just seeing there's so many more facets to Lillian Williams than we had been privy to in the first three episodes. Now, I'm not going to go out and say, oh, this is one of my favorite episodes, but I do like it. There's still like three minutes left. I do like this episode because we really get to see Lillian shine outside of you know, the kitchen and outside of being Bruce and Kim and Dean's mom and Bill's wife, we're seeing her be Lillian Williams. Like, so people have so many hats. They're a parent. You know, before that, they were, and, you know, or a son or a daughter and, you know, all that stuff, and then if you're also a, you know, if you have other, you know, siblings, you're you're an older brother or a younger brother or a younger sister or older sister. However, and it's just like you wear so many different hats in life, or you could be an aunt or an uncle, you know, a mother or a father, you know, a grandpa or a grandma and stuff like that. Just like. You go through life wearing so many hats and carrying so many titles. And Dean asks Lillian, like, could I get a master's to work here? And she looks at Dean, like, straight in his face and says, Baby, I'm the only one here that has a master's. Yeah. Oh, shit! It is hit. Oh, my gosh! I was wondering if this was going to come back on her. Remember how Jack's boss, when he got back from his coffee break, his boss reamed him out in front of Kevin? This same shit is going down. Holy shit. I had a feeling. I had an inkling. I thought they might try to throw her under the bus and make her have to take responsibility for all that someone else's fuck up. And I think that's what's going to happen. Ugh. Instead of being bored enough to jump out the window and shoot myself on the way down, I actually wanted to learn more about Mama and her job. So, did you always want to work here? You know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. But none of the women in my family had careers. I knew I wanted more than what Y Alabama had to give me, so I went to college masters and then after months of surgical work without so much as an interview i saw a posting about a job at the department of treasury never thought i'd get it but like i tell you and your brother and your sister give up before you give up that's right 
Sometimes you don't appreciate the rare beauty of a unicorn until you see it in the wild. So, so you had to get a master's to work here? So, yeah, Mr. Davidson comes in and says, Lillian, our biggest account in the entire department is way over budget. Uh, and he says, that is unacceptable. Oh, my gosh. Is he going to ream her out right in front of, uh, in front of Dean? And Lillian just stands there and she says, yes, Mr. Davidson. And he says, now we have to go and adjust the entire account. It's like, didn't she try to, like, have them all fix it? What the fuck? So now it's like, what, they didn't want to? So now it's just gonna, let's just let it fall under her shoulders. You fucking lazy bastards. So she's asking him, like, do you think we should recalibrate the last month's, you know, to make it, you know, basically make everything, get them back in the green instead of in the red. Like, is this, like, this is what I feel like we should do. Do you also agree, like, is this what we should do? Oh my gosh. Is he going to say, well, you're the one with the masters, you tell me, or something. I, so I hope he doesn't say anything like that. Or he's, or like I said, I don't watch these episodes ahead of time. Or maybe he'll say something like, I expect more from you. Or I, I expect someone with the masters to already have the answer. Or something to that expect. That aspect. Basically feeding him the answer. He's like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, she told all those fucking people, this is what we're doing, make sure it gets done. And of course they didn't fucking do shit. So, yeah. So she's pretty much feeding Mr. Davidson the answers and he's parroting it back to her. As though it's his idea. But what? Well, but the guy's happy. It's like she's providing a solution that she had already provided earlier to the handful of people that fucking work there. He says, great, that just saved us a lot of time. Honestly, this went better than when Jack's boss reamed him out. He was like, because Jack's like, oh, well, I told so-and-so to get on it. And then the guy's like, Jack's boss is like, well, hey, he worked for you. This is your responsibility. If you can't handle this, I'll find someone who can. Like, threatening his job and everything. But Lillian handles this really, really well. It's almost like when you go to work, you you put your work hat on. You basically, what's the word I'm looking for? Not poker face. That's not what I'm looking for. It's... Autopilot, autopilot, basically. It's like you let that shit fall on you, and then when you're done with your work, you clock out, you take all that bad shit, and you just do something to decompress, basically. So when I was filling out applications, a lot of the applications were asking questions like, how well do you handle stress? Let me give you a situation. How would you handle this? Pick the best explanation that would, the best response, and also the worst response to handle this situation. So I see now applications are a lot more detailed as far as everything's done online anyway. But this way they can kind of gauge what type of person that is applying based on their responses like 
oh, this one looks like they got a short fuse. This one looks like they wouldn't be able to handle a stressful situation. So let's look at someone else who has better, you know, capabilities. And honestly, anyone, anybody can give the greatest responses in an application. Hell, anybody can give the automated exact perfect responses in an interview, but anyone can lie in an interview on an application. It's when you actually put the person in the position and see firsthand, are they everything that when they were interviewed, are they everything they said they were during the interview? Are they everything that they said they were in the application and stuff like that? We see Dean's fantasy again with Lillian as a quarterback with a ledger just blasting through all these people down a hallway and giving it to this one guy who gives it to the ref and says, Touchdown! Yeah, so she pretty much saved the day. Multiple times she saved the day. Lillian, our biggest account in the department is way over budget. This is unacceptable. Yes, Mr. Davidson. Now we have to adjust the entire account. <laughs> So are you thinking we should recalibrate last month's accounts payable to allocate the funds to uh, the cash flow statement? Yes. Good idea. Thanks. Yeah, so then that means that George would need to bring last year's ledger. To compare those numbers to this year? Yes. That's exactly what I was thinking. Were you? Right? No. That just saved us a lot of time. I'm sure you did. So yeah, like I said, she's basically feeding him information of the plan that she had originally given all those people. And she says, so that means that George would have to get the ledger as then, okay, George clearly did not listen to me. None of them fucking did. So if I tell this, the big boss, George needs to get that ledger, George is going to listen to the, the boss. So yeah. And... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's almost like Leland's like, okay, let him, the boss, think that he came up with this idea. Like, oh, good idea. I'm glad I thought of it. Like, yes, yes, yep. Mm -hmm. Also, in this thing, in this little fantasy, we see everyone celebrating, and Lillian's kind of left behind us, and she did all the work, but she's not getting any credit for coming up with this idea that is saving this issue. Because you see her just kind of looking on as all these men and this, you know, in this fan, football fantasy that Dean's cooking up, everyone's celebrating and, and Lillian is just, just this hurt look on her face like she is not appreciated and she is not, you know, getting any praise for, yeah, he, the boss is even like, oh, well, thanks. Yeah, glad I thought of that. Dean even questions, like, well, wait a minute, didn't he just steal your idea? And I'm sure Lillian's probably, like, it's best to let him think that he came up with it, so that way you don't, I don't want to lose my job. But if it makes him look good in the end, then, and, and everyone's happy, then I guess that's all that matters. Yeah, he's like, didn't he just steal your idea, mama? And Lillian's like, Damn right he did. But you don't work here this long without learning a few tricks. Yeah, it's like make him think it was his idea so he'll take care of the problem and, and get it done. That's why she's been there that long. And 
Boss Man pops his head in, Mr. Davidson says, oh, by the way, I'm assigning you lead on our newest account. Ah! Congratulations, Lillian! Ah! <laughs> See? You, I guess, what do they say? You give a little, you get a little, right? Right? And Dean says, I realized right then that Mama wasn't going to let anyone take advantage of her. She knew how to play the game. And, oh boy, there's a catch. As the boss man says, just let Long know you're taking it over from him. Oh, God. So is she getting, because Coach Long said that he just landed a new account. So is Lillian now, oh, shit. How is that going to go down? So is she basically taking the new account he just landed? Like, oh, by the way, I'm taking lead on this. And he was so excited and happy about that. Oh, my gosh. The boss man says, he'll take the news coming better from you. Way to put her in a sticky situation, sir. So he doesn't have to handle it. He's passing it over to Lily. Like, I'm giving you a great opportunity, but you have to tell your coworker that you're actually taking this newest account from him, what she already just got. Oh my gosh! Kill a man. Oh my god, that's stress. They're friends. Their kids play baseball together. They come into their house and they're watching. They're hanging out. This is gonna cause a rift. Oh my gosh. So Coach Long is like, hey, bye, Lillian. I'll see you at practice, Dean. And Lillian is just like, oh, my gosh. It's like she's going to be physically ill. It's just, uh, can you imagine? And she's like, uh, Cliff. Oh, my gosh. This is not going to be good. There's only two minutes left of this episode. I'm worried. I'm worried. See, that's what I love about this show and just watching it. As I'm reviewing it. So you're getting my reactions. This is why I love this show. is like keeping me. I'm on edge right now. I am an, on edge. I am nervous. I'm nervous for Lillian. I'm nervous to see how Coach Long's going to react. And Dean's going to be the witness to this. She's like, uh, Cliff, can I talk to you for a second? And she goes out in the hall, and we hear Dean say, you know, I started out the day not knowing what my mama did for a living. Turns out it wasn't just one thing. She had to do it all, and she was great at it. Oh, my gosh. I, mm, I'm just nervous. I'm worried that Coach Long's like, but you're a woman. Why would he give this account to you? Like, almost like, you don't deserve it. I worked just as long as you have, or just as hard. Yeah. 
this is going to create some serious, I'm just feeling it's going to create some serious friction between the Longs and the Williams. Like, he's an old grudge or something. I don't know. Or maybe there's a way that she can work it where he understands. I, I don't know. I mean, it is 68, and he is a guy. They're both working at the same company. And Dean is kind of watching this as Lillian kind of pats, you know, um, Coach Long on the shoulder. And Dean says, but some wins came at a cost. We don't, we only see the exchange, we don't hear the exchange between, but Lillian's kind of putting her, you know, her hand on Coach Long's arm and kind of his chest just kind of like, I know you're upset, I, 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 this isn't the way that it was supposed to go, but I mean, we don't get the dialogue, so we don't know, we don't know, and I just, maybe I guess just by the body language we can tell how it went, that he didn't take the news too well, but he accepted it as, you know, that's what the boss wants. I guess that's what the boss wants, and I can't really challenge that. Can I talk to you for a second? <clears throat> I started the day not knowing what my mom did for a living. Turns out it wasn't just one thing. She had to do it all, and she was great at it. But her wins came at a cost. So Lillian and Dean come home and Kim already is starting with the, hey, do you know where my other skirt is? Not the plaid one, the green one. And Lillian says, it's still in the hamper. You know where the laundry room is. And then here comes Bill saying, hey, do you know what time dinner is going to be ready? And Lillian is just like literally just sat down in a chair. And all of a sudden, here come the I wants, the what time's this? Are you going to do this for me? What time's dinner? This and that. And it's like, okay, you all need to calm down and back off for a minute and let the woman take a breath. I mean, she may be super women, woman, like, in the house and at the workplace, but you got to, superwoman's even got to take a breath once in a while. Yeah, even Bill's like, oh, can you make the stew? You make the best stew. I'm like, here, here's the leftover cupcakes that no one else wanted to eat. Eat the cupcakes for dinner. Thank you, Dean, as he says, we just got home. Will you people give us a minute? <laughs> like, damn. Chill yourself. Chill yourself. Look at Dean the Taskmaster. He's like, when I get back in here, these chores better be done. And they're all probably looking at me. Damn, boy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Both Bill and Kim look at Dean with the eyes like, are you serious to say that to me? Who are you now? Dean walks away muttering like, man, the woman just walked through the door. Calm down. <laughs> Bill and Campbell turn to look at Lillian, who finally stands up, head held high, and just walks between Bill and Cam, just like, I'll be ready when I'm ready. Get on them chores now. <laughs> All right, it's time to send Bruce another care package, and... Dean comes down with, I think it was the, like a big softball. It's like, this will fit, right, Mama? And she's like, yeah, I think so. And she takes Dean's letter and reads it. And she looks up at Dean and smiles and says, going to get a master's degree just like me, huh? Oh, adult Dean, come on now, chime in. Let us know. Did you get that master's? I bet you did. 
Is he an accountant? Is he an accountant like his mom? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Please tell us. Don't leave us in the dark. We want to know, Dean. Come on now. Narrator, adult Dean, come in. We want to hear. Head up high, Lillian. Oh, it's a regular baseball, okay. Thank goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, Dean is giving the same, same advice as Lillian had given, you know, him and Kim and Bruce. That's awesome. So, and also, the look on his dad's face when Dean said he was going to take up the saxophone for band. Cool. And he mentions, <laughs> thank goodness he just thinks these things are balloons right now. That That's good. Thank goodness. Because uh, he's like, yeah, I blew up one of those little balloons in the little packets and uh, eventually it popped. And she's like, oh, go eat your breakfast, Dean. <laughs> so that's the episode. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was so good. <laughs> yes, my my uh, impression changed from uh, my beginning opinion to now. I love this episode. Best outfit, I want to give it to Lillian for her, uh, her work attire. Gorgeous. Beautiful. Worst outfit, again, I really don't have one. If one really stood out, I would definitely mention it. Wonderling Words of Wisdom, it's just like Lillian tells Dean... What's it called? Um, oh, no, I can't. It's like, like, get, get out before you give up or something like that. Something to that effect. Yes, definitely. Keep plugging away at it. It's going to happen. Everything happens as it's supposed to happen. You can't rush these things. And props to, I mean, Lillian, my favorite character for this episode, 100%. We just got to see her really, really shine. So, yeah. 
let me, uh, we'll be talking about episode five next week for the, uh, I get, would you even refer to next week as the first week in December? Because it's only like the first of December, which is when then episode five will be released is December 1st. That's a Wednesday. And then Saturday's the fourth. No, the first full week's going to be the fifth through the 11th. Christmas is getting close, guys. It's getting close. Two days till Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, yes, as always, this is going to be going up on Wednesday. All right. We got Season 1, Episode 5, entitled The Lock-In, which aired on October 20th, 2021. It's got a 7.1. In this episode, Dean is reluctant to attend the annual church lock-in until Kim tells him it's where she got her first kiss. First kiss. Then he enlists his friends to help him pair up with Kisa. So, of course, as I said, I want to go back because we got some trivia and we got one user review. Trivia. Dean's father Bill and his friends sing with a little help from my friends the theme song from the original Wonder Years 1988. And here is the one use 10 out of 10. I love it. I love it. I like remembering my childhood through October. Okay, October 14th, 2021. This series, just like with the original, I enjoy those parallels. It hits close to home how many of us never understood what our parents really do at work and at home when we are 12. I like how Dean learned how to appreciate his mother more while watching her at her workplace and finally understanding all she does for the family and what she has to endure outside of the home. Great lesson he learned this up, just like most of us growing up. Love that review. That was a great review, and it summed it up perfectly. All right. So, first clip I'm going to play is where Wayne and Kevin, Paul, and I think it's Wayne's friend Steve, they're on the bus ride home, and they're all kind of talking about what they want to do when they get older. It's our you know, professional baseball player, professional football player. And then they start talking about their parents jobs well as far as their dads what their dads do for a living I don't think I honestly don't remember I mean if it's one of those little things you know when you're a kid unless it stands out distinctly in your mind it's going to get pushed all the way to the back of the filing cabinet of your brain you know if someone asks me what your dad do for a living what your mom do for a living now my mom you all, if you've listened to the podcast for the last four and a half years, you know my mom had lupus and she had had a major stroke when I was seven. So she was put in an adult care facility, many different ones until she passed away when I was tw just after I had turned 20 when and she was 47. She, um, I remember, I have a memory of, I think, being four or five, and she was helping out at a nursing home, and I was carrying a large teddy bear, probably almost as tall as me, <laughs> around with her as she was going from room to room. I remember that distinctly. 
Although, you know, with time and age, sometimes these memories get probably do get a little distorted and maybe you're remembering things a little differently than how they actually happen. But that's about it. But here's the clip of the boys talking about what they want to be when they grow up and what their parents do. And not really knowing, uh, they know their dad works at Norcom, but other than that, they don't know what his title is. His job description, his daily tasks, they don't know any of that. They just know he works at Norcom. And Steve was just like, Norcom? What the hell's that? I'm like, it's a company. And we're, oh yeah, they say like he manages business. Better chances of being a professional baseball player over an astronaut game. Mm I mean, <laughs> I had absolutely no idea what that meant. Fortunately, Wayne was able to salvage some of our family dignity. So you're too stupid to understand anyway, so. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. The pan farts, yeah. So, Kevin wants to know what his dad does, so of course he asked Norma, like, what does dad do for a living? He's like, well, he works at Norcom, you know that. Yeah, I know that, but it, it, what exactly does he do? Like, he clocks in at this time and clocks on at that time. But what does he actually, what are his duties? Maybe Norma knows. Maybe she doesn't know. Maybe he doesn't, you know, the last thing you want to do when you get out of work and come home is talk about your day. Like, I was there. I leave work at work. I don't bring it home with me. But, yeah, it's just the kids talking about what they want to do. Gosh. I know when I was a kid, I know, and that went up until, like, my teenage years that I wanted to be an, uh, an author. I also wanted to be a veterinarian. So, <laughs> podcasting to me is probably about as close to being an author in, in some degree of getting my stories out there. <laughs> my stories through podcasting about episodes of television. Uh, veterinary school, um, I, if, again, I'm sure I've mentioned it once or twice in the four and a half years of doing this, I went to Baker College for a semester, basically from September to early December, and I wanted to be a veterinarian, and that was the only place nearby that I could do that. And I was told it's a very competitive program. They only take 10 students a year that actually, you know, to get into the program. And also, 
it's big, you know, you got to know your math. And that is where I struggled. I can't even remember what grade, if I got a passing grade, if I got a C or D. I, I knew doing that when we were getting, you know, you're doing your addition, you'll see what you know with addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. And division, I, I struggled, but I struggled a thousand times more with the fractions. I knew that those were going to beat me in the end. And I just, eh, you got to get, you know, certain grades to be able to get into this veterinary program. So I'm like, okay, well, clearly I'm not taking this class again. And I just, <clears throat> I passed my English class. I passed a college English class. To me, that was major because I didn't even think I could do that. I wrote three papers and I, I was just amazed. I remember I lo lost sleep one night because I was so stressed about like not getting a good grade, but I, I did better than I thought. So yeah, but, um, yeah. And as far as like, it seems like, I mean, the boys with their wanting, I want to be an astronaut. That's going to be my fallback if they're not a professional baseball player, Kevin says. And then also I'm thinking, Kevin, I think you might have a better shot at being a professional baseball player over being an astronaut. I don't know. Maybe not. But in season three, I believe it's called The Natural, right? He actually does do... He's on the team until he eventually does get cut because his coach and Jack served in, in Korea together. So, yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah, that's enough. I don't don't ask me any more details about that. I don't know. I said, what do you do all day? 
what do I do all day? Shovel other people's crap so you kids can eat. Okay, that was pretty specific. No need to press the issue. What do you do? Huh? <laughs> yeah, we covered that already. Yeah, I know, but what do you do there? Come on, Kevin, I work all day, and all I ask now is to sit here and watch this. Great. Is two minutes peace and quiet too much to ask for around here? Now, what do you want? Yeah, really, that nothing, though. bothers Jack, which is, of course, he's drinking his, probably his vodka tonic, and last thing a parent wants to be bothered with that, you know, after they put in, like, an eight to ten hour day at work, probably getting screamed at by their manager, dealing with incompetent bullshit, and have to clean up other people's problems and mistakes and everything. So I get it that he's frustrated. It's like, I don't want to talk about work. I don't bring it home with me. I don't want to leave. I leave work at work, basically. At the end of the day, take off my work hat, leave it at the door, and then I go home and put on my... Yeah. It's like, you're there for hours upon hours, and you just want time to just unwind and have your me time. So, <clears throat> of course, when Kevin, he's at that age. He wants to know what his dad does. Saying, I work at Norcom, you know that. It's like, yeah, I get that you work at that, but at a company, but, like, what are your duties? Like, what do you do all day? It's like, yeah, I shovel crap so all day so you kids can eat and put a roof over your head and pay bills and everything. So, we, so yeah, I think he just wants to see... Like, what exactly are your duties? Like, clearly you're coming home pissed off. You hate your fucking job. I get it. But what exactly is it that you're doing that you're just, you're angry at the end of the day? Ugh. So, even Norma, you know, and Kevin even says, you know, he was in bed, so he can only imagine how the conversation between Norma and Jack went. And she's like, oh, I heard overheard, you know, you and Kevin talking. And he's like, yeah, I guess he wanted to know what I what I do at Norcom, and she's like, yeah, he just wants to know what you do. He's like, yeah, what does he want to know, that I fill out forms, and I have to, every time I turn around, I'm dealing with bitch-ass customers up my ass complaining, and, and you know, getting screamed. He doesn't say anything about getting screamed at by his manager. That'll come later. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
And she's like, yeah. Yeah, he wants to know all of that. He wants to know a little bit about you. Is that so hard for you to understand? He's your son. So Jack, of course, I guess he's feeling a little guilty. He's like, understand, like, Norma's right. And so he was just asking some questions. It's not like he's constantly asking this every single day. So it's just answer his questions and then... I'm sure he won't bring any more questions in Norcom. So he actually decides, like, hey, if you want to know what I do all day, why don't you come to work with me and find out? You know, it's he's creating his bring your kid to work day type of thing. <laughs> and I just think it when Karen when Kevin's asking Norma, like, what does he do as far she says something about electro somethings that he makes these little tiny things. And then Karen has to throw him with like, oh yeah, like his company's like helping the war like bomb country bomb Vietnam and bomb like women and children and everything. And she's like, No Norma's like, No, they put the things in like toasters and coffee makers. And whatnot. They're not, so yeah. And in that moment, you want to know who Karen was reminding me of? Lisa Simpson. When Marge was saying, "Oh yeah, you can go to work with your dad, Lisa." I mean, you've always wanted to know what he does down there. And Lisa says, "Are you kidding me? I've signed numerous petitions to shut down that plant." So she wants to basically shut down her father's place of employment because he works at the nuclear power plant. But here is Jack talking to Kevin about, and he's so nervous around his kid. It's like, because, you know, they don't talk and stuff like that. So it's like, I'm nervous. You know, I, I provide for you and everything, but I don't want to have to actually have a conversation with you. Sounds awesome. Okay. Lisa. Why he was the way he was. Everybody 
everybody. This is my son, Kevin. This is Phyllis and Stan and Betty and Mary. Hi there. You look just like your old man. Oh, my goodness, he's adorable. What an angel. Look at those cheeks. I get the feeling they didn't see a lot of 12-year-olds around here. And what are you going to be when you grow up? Are you going to come to work with us at Norcom? You're right. <laughs> no. Kevin comes down in a suit and a tie, and then, oh, and then, of course, you know, they get to Norcom, and Kevin, you know, as they're walking to the building from the car, Kevin just saying he just wants to know what his, his dad does, what kind of makes him him, and everything. Like, he knows his dad, like, at home, but it's like he's this whole other person at his job. And, of course, Jack Burton, I love how Jack is just, uh, he's kind of nervous. I mean, it's fun seeing him around other people, you know, his, his other co-workers and everything like that. And all the, the ladies just are pinching Kevin's cheeks, like, oh, you're so adorable. And they keep asking, like, you're going to come and work at Orcom when you're older? <laughs> you're going to be a distribution manager like your dad? And Kevin's just like, oh, maybe yes. <laughs> you imagine if they'd ask that? And Kevin's like, hell no. No, thank you. <laughs> like, he ain't even been in his father's office. Like, no, I do not want this job. <laughs> or like, oh, I'm going to be do something better with my life. Oh, shit. 
No, no, Kevin, he's 12. He's not going to do that. So Jack takes him to his office, and Kevin immediately sees this giant desk and this swivel chairs. Oh, this chair is like, it's my dad's. And it's this, this, he sees his dad is like in this position of power. And right away, the phones are ringing. Uh, Phyllis, the secretary, is like, you got so-and-so on this line, so-and-so on this line, another person on this line. And he's having to basically clear up any problems or mistakes with these different companies to get these parts shipped when they're supposed to be shipped. And also he's saying, well, I don't know, so-and-so, you know, this should be, this is not my problem. You guys should know your own system and how to do this. It's like, it's just his job to make sure these parts are getting where they need to go to. It's not his fault if the machine's down and has a delay or something like that. It's like you do, honestly, in some cases, you can only do what you can do. Moving mountains and stuff and, and this and that, it's just like, you can only do what's in your power. I mean, you can't go to the facility, here, let me be your maintenance person and get this machine going so we get these parts through. And it. No, no, that's not his job. His job is to make sure parts are going exactly from the shipping facility to wherever they're supposed to go to. That is his job. And he's just trying to fix people's fuck-ups, basically. It's like, that isn't my problem, machine. If your machine ain't working, that's not my problem. My problem is there are deadlines that need to be met. And if you're not, then I gotta take the heat from my boss as to why this shit is not getting done. And I just... Jack already, he's barely... Because he has to go back to his car to get his briefcase. And it's just like, oh my gosh. And, and yeah, he's even talking about, you know, incompetent people and having to deal with dum-dums and everything. People can't. He's basically, why the hell am I doing your job for you? In fact, maybe I should be getting your salary because you're not doing your job. It's like, everyone's got their own job that they need to be doing. If you're not doing it, then I got to come in and clean, you know, t- pick up your slack. So I don't get my ass shoot out by the manager. Yeah, and Jack even has people working under him that are taking care of the smaller details so Jack doesn't have to worry about it and he can take care of the bigger details. But if someone's not taking care of the little details, that means that Jack has to come in and do more work than really is necessary because he's going to make these customers happy. This would piss me off. The fact that this guy is responsible for getting stuff done so Jack can focus on other shit. Now he's saying, oh, well, <coughs> this thing isn't going to get here on time. It's late. I thought it would get there by today. I think, first of all, you're hiding information that I should have known fucking yesterday. Seriously? I would be on that guy's ass like no fucking tomorrow. So there is no reason that you're supposed to be hiding information from me. None. I'm I'm expecting you to get this done. I need you to make sure shit's getting done. Why am I doing your job for you? Why are you here if you're not getting these things done for me? Yeah, the, the guy even says, oh, we're using a new carrier. I'd be like, excuse, wait, what now? Really? Why the hell didn't you tell me? My gall, are you a complete idiot? I mean, what the hell, guy? His, his, what, his yes man, his whatever, this guy that's 
working under Jack, getting all these little details. He's leaving out information that is crucial to making sure these customers are happy because it's a distribution, you know, distribution is it, it's going to different states, you know, Phoenix and this place and blah, 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 you know? Oh, I can, I can get his frustration. I would not want that job. I would not want that job. make that fucking decision? man is on another line and Jack says hey Kevin you're going to learn the most important thing about this job about the work day okay coffee break because I fucking need some coffee in me before I take anyone else's shit and have to deal with all this oh yeah he even says that that Wysansky guy it's like the fact that he's using a new carrier because like oh get me so and so express and then the guy's like, oh, we're using a new carrier now. And even Jack's like, wait a minute, you didn't clear that with me. It's like, next time there's a situation like that, you ask me first before you make any decisions. What the hell, dude? So, yeah, big boss man, of course, you know, the secretary's saying he's on the line. Sounds very important. Jack blows it up like, hey, I need coffee in me before I have to listen to someone screaming at me. So... Give me a hot minute. So this is where Kevin is going to ask Jack, what do you really want to do with your life, like, before Norcom? What exactly did you want to do? Like, clearly this was not the big grand plan. Sure that's what you want? <laughs> yeah. Black tar. Black tar. <laughs> I learned something new every day. When did you decide you wanted to become a manager of distribution and product support services? <laughs> decide to do that? Yeah. It's Sorry. Funny. Just a funny sort of a thought. Really wanting to be the manager of distribution and product support services. I mean, it's a good job, but uh, it's not what I thought I'd be doing with my life. What did you want to do? Of course. Yep. Really? <laughs> well, I did have a fallback position. This job? 
No. Hell no. Oh god, oil tanker? They ain't had to do with oil. Yeah, out there in the ocean in the middle of the night. <laughs> navigating by the stars. That's why for a telescope. Of course, they use instruments for all of that now, but <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought that'd be the greatest <laughs> thing in the world. How come you didn't do it? How come? Life got in the way? living on a street corner, so, yeah. But as we walked back to my father's <laughs> office, I suddenly realized something that made a lot of things make sense. My dad was too good for this place. Sure, it was a good job, and we were all lucky he had it and all that. But my dad had something finer in him than S-14s and distribution reports. I'll never forget <laughs> how I felt at that moment. I felt... That my father was a great man. So yeah, it's just kind of funny. They're just kind of talking about, you know, what did you really want to do? Because clearly, I don't think Norcom was something that was, um, I want to be a manager of distribution and product support surfing the hell no. So he even says before he went to college, he actually wanted to be a ship's captain. That's probably one of those outlandish other but then again, I mean he was in Korea. He probably did have experience, you know, on the you know, boats and stuff and that, you know, being in you know that background probably could have helped him, but that probably even he kinda looks on it now as like one of those outlandish like so far out there dreams. But even and, and Jack even says, you know, I went off to college and then I met your mother and he even says it's like it's one thing to have those types of dreams but you do tend to actually have to be realistic in in your choices especially for what kind of future you want to have you know it's fun to imagine like, I want to be you know even when you're asking a kid when they're six or what excuse me when they're ten what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a police officer. You know, all those, you know, type of jobs that kids are just, they're dreaming big. They're go, like, go as big as you can. When you're getting into teenage years and you're, like, in high school and you're close to grade, it's like, you, and everyone said, like, everyone expects you to know what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Those are the big choices you have to make, what colleges you go to, what programs you want to get into, what degrees do you want to get. And you know, they're just, you know, some of these degrees just sound like, but is this a field that is going to be constantly evolving over time? The medical field is always evolving. There's always going to be room for doctors and lawyers. And this it's a lot of schooling. It's a lot of schooling. 
But if you have, a, you know, the heart and the dedication you really want, you'll see it through. But it's just you, just Jack saying you do need to be realistic when it comes to the type of job that you want and the choices that you make going into your adulthood. Because one day, because he even said, you know, one day I got a, you know, job on a loading dock in Norcom and the rest is history. So he's been there for years and years and years and clearly has moved up. Because eventually in season four, he does become a regional support manager where he is traveling, going and troubleshooting different companies and stuff, probably for the parts that are made. So you're going out and going to these companies that are making these parts and just making sure that everything's going well, the machines are working properly, and just any type of issues with shipping, he's the guy that's going and making sure things are getting taken care of. So, yeah. And even and even another thing that he it feels like he brought up, is like, yeah, you know, we're do I think we're doing good. You know, I think I chose well. And, yeah, I mean, you got a roof over your head, your bills are being paid, your food on the table and everything. You don't got to, you know, you don't got to worry about that. You don't got to, you know, they're basically, they're not, I mean, or maybe they are a little bit. Maybe they're not living paycheck to paycheck. They're living comfortably enough that... Mainly back then, it's always, there's usually just the one person working outside of the home and one person, you know, normally the wife, working inside the home and, and stuff like that. But now, it's just like, usually, unless the husband has a damn good job that all the needs are met and the wife doesn't have to necessarily work, or if she does work, it's something for herself, that she that she can do kind of like a you know a part-time job or just something for you and yeah I like this Jack says Kevin you know you can't do every silly thing you want to in life he says you have to make your choices and you have to be happy with them exactly it's one thing to take when you look at it as I need a job that's necessarily a job I'm going to like, but it's to take a job so you have money coming in. And that's the thing where it's just like you take a job for a paycheck because you need a job or you can also, you can have a job that you would like, something that you're not going to be like, what am I doing with my life? I really, it, I, I see it as this. It's like you're on this earth for a short amount of time. Why can't you be do doing something you somewhat would enjoy for a living? And why do you want to go to work? I'm like, I hate my life. I don't like where my life is going. Why did I choose this? I can't stand it. I'm, just, I'm being depressed and everything like that. And just, that's no, oh, I just, ugh. Oh. But, and, and I love how Kevin, adult Kevin comes on as they're walking back to Jack's office and just saying, my dad was too good for Norcom. Like, his talents and everything is just what makes him him. It's like, his talent is just wasted here. And he can even see, he's going to see in a minute just why Jack comes home every night pissed off and just beaten down emotionally because he's going to get reamed out by his fucking manager, his boss, 
who who's like, I was left, I expected you to be by the phone, so when I call you to ask you a question about something, you're going to fucking be there. You're not going to go off on a damn coffee break. When I want you to do something, you're going to do it. So, yeah, and Kevin has to sit there and just watch his dad just be torn down. And, and now he, he knows. He knows this is why. Uh, but Kevin has a new appreciation for his dad and what he does. Yeah, Kevin says... My dad was too good for this place. Well, sure, it was a good job, and we were all lucky he had it and all that. Kevin says, my dad was more than S14 forms and just distribution and stuff like that. He says, in that moment, I felt that my father was a great man. I love this scene where he tightens Kevin's tie. And it's just, oh, so sweet. Then, of course, when Jack opens the door and you just hear the telephone ringing off the hook and everything, you just like, oh, the manager's going to come down hard on Jack. And I just, I feel for for him and for Kevin. You know, basically, it's like you're getting chewed out by your boss in front of your kid. How demeaning can that, I can't think of anything more demeaning than that. <laughs> he works for you. Now, this is a third major screw-up in your department in the last two months. Now, if you can't hire competent people and supervise them, we can find somebody that can. It's being taken care of. Well, it sure as hell better be. Oh, and one more thing. The next time that I try to get you on a phone, you better be there to take the call. Now, do you read me, Arnold? Do you read me? Yeah, I read you. Good. What a dick. Go fuck yourself. Asshole. Yeah, I love when Jack comes home, slams the door, loosens his tie, and Kevin comes in after him, slams the door, and loosens its tie. It's just, ugh, such a great scene. Like, ugh. So, yeah, I just wanted to play that kind of for, um, I get, would you even come in comparison? Like, I don't know. But I just wanted to, I like to share the similarities between the two shows and everything like that. So, and, Seeing Kevin have a greater respect and understanding of his dad and what he does, what makes him tick. Just seeing this other version of his dad. Just, ugh, I just, I feel bad. That guy was a piece of shit. I get, you know, it's, it's a job and everything. It's like, if your boss is on the phone, you don't take a coffee break. You fucking stay there. Ugh, I just, I felt bad. But anyway, that is the entire episode. Again, I hope you enjoyed it, and I will be back next week with the lock-in. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. If you want to send an email to the podcast, I would love to hear from you, lbomwonderyearspodcast.gmail.com, or on the Facebook page, looking back on my Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Bye-bye.